welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host Tom, and with me this week are Ward, Mike, Steve, and Dan. Okay, cool. We made it through without any fuck ups. I'm really proud of you guys. Yeah, it was apparently going to be a serious night. Well, because it was it was pretty funny because I'm listening back as cause now that I'm doing the editing stuff for the podcast, and just the number of times where it just fucks up off the get go. Oh yeah. Was I think a hundred percent? There's there's zero chance we make it. That's through. part of that's that's part the war. That's part of the charm, though. <laughs> war. Yeah, charm. <laughs> I don't know, sure. <laughs> so speaking of Ward, what have you done this week? Oh, okay. going right into it then. Hey? Yeah, why not? Uh, so I had some. It was kind of slow at work, so I cleaned a bunch of buildings. So and I have an entire sector in Imperialis uh, all cleaned, ready to just to be assembled in whatever way, shape, or form I want. Uh, I've been working on my nights again. Uh, nice. So six weeks till Vegas. That's it. That's it. That's Jesus. it. So I'm hoping that I should have all the armor panels done by the end of this week. Really? Uh, I'm gonna do my plan is to do a color a night and then put like a layer of like varnish over top. One color per night, like N I G H T. Yes. As okay. in period of the day. <laughs> yes. Because like yes. rainbow army would be weird. Yeah. No, I have I have all the armor plates for all four big guys and all four like little guys uh, already like off the model, so I should hopefully be able to fire up the airbrush and do. I'm I'm shooting for that single color, so that way I can varnish, let it set. Yep. And then put like tape up, tape it off, and then go to the next color the next night, sort of thing. So, so that's the game plan for that. And what else? I started flipping through my Necromunda book, and uh, yeah, I've got some Eshers that are on my table. Oh, and I built the Orc Big Bombers for uh, Aeronautica, Ooh. and those things are big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> There's a reason it's 60 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking huge. They yeah, they. Are... They pretty much immediately took that leap like uh, like X-Wing did when they got to like K-Wings and stuff like that, where the models are like several times larger than the base size. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay, cool, awesome. This is going to be very interesting playing on the board now. So. Yeah, well, thank God we're looking at getting those mats with the oversized hexes. Yes, that'll help. <laughs> that'll help a bit, for sure. And that's uh, pretty much it for me. All right, Mike, how's your Delicue coming? Uh, they're almost done. All the base colors are done. All the shading on the cloaks are done. The... <laughs> It's just the highlights on the guns in the middle. That's not so bad. And uh, I almost finished the impulsors, both of them. The decals are on. The main colors are there now. It's just some highlighting and a little bit of shading. I hate Ultramarines. Uh, uh, what? I love you too, buddy. Team tournament. Oh. I got to play Ultramarines. That oh. literally ruined my life. Like made me reevaluate <laughs> everything I've done. I hate your Ultramarines. Okay, just so no, you know. All right. All right look, I don't think he's buddy. equipping them the same. Oh my God. Has the list. The worst, worst thing. I'm still a little bit hurting from that. A little bit? Okay. Yeah. That's good. What else? That, that's <laughs> about it. Yeah. Oh, I built a lot of models. So I built all the enforcers, all the subjugators, all the corpse grinders. Holy shit. Train? Um, Did you build the train? You didn't get the train. You didn't get the train. Oh, yeah. He got everything you but the everything train. You got everything but the train. Yeah, I got 100 oh. bucks for the two gangs, all the tokens in the rule book. And that was the best yeah. deal I think I've ever heard of. <laughs> I don't know. Our deal was going to be pretty good if we won, but stupid Brady had to get his name drawn. For the second one, he now owns two of them. What? Yeah. Yeah, he, he already owned one. Oh, one damn. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at buying a second box as well until I found <laughs> out that mission, uh, they were capping the discounts on the Dark Uprising box. So the employee staff discount, like friends and family discount, whatever promotion, did not apply. 
Really? That was incredibly disappointing. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no way I'm spending anywhere near full price yeah. for a second set. Totally. Cool. For myself, um, I learned something this week, assembling models. Super glue can go bad. Anybody here know that? Yep. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. So I put together an entire um, uh, Infinity uh, like squad or force or whatever. And only to have every single model fall apart, like just upon touching it, because mm. like, I haven't used super glue in ages, right? Like everything's plastic or GW now, so that's that never stopped me. Interesting, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyways, so that was interesting. So I put together an affinity um, group. I don't know what you want to call. it. Did army. you put it together twice, technically? Then? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, gotcha. It was interesting. You like <clears throat> after it all fell apart, I like would just barely like hit it with the exacto knife and it would all come off yeah it's basically just just, flake off it's basically like sugar cube at that point type texture yeah it's not good it's very weird i've never had that before um (laughs) did that and uh i think pretty much that's been about it i haven't done a lot of hobbying since the team tournament just started on some harlequins doing up some star weavers some harlequins some harlequins 15 and three star weavers oh i thought it was six or of something big Maybe I don't know. I must have misread it. But three star weavers and fifteen. Okay, oh. I thought you had. I thought you had like six bikes or vehicles or something to do. I must have just misremembered. But. Six. I already have six bikes. Okay. Maybe you're just being crazy. Anywho, that's me. Sounds crazy. good. He's saying star weaver, but for some reason in my head now, I just can't get the song out. Dream weaver. Oh, <laughs> dream weaver. I believe we can get right. I mean, the Harlequins are the the performers of the Eldar race, like so they would sing Dreamweavers. You should for sure. change it to Dreamweavers. Yeah, yeah. it'd be pretty awesome. You could just play that song on your phone for like three hours straight during, during your game. game. <laughs> <laughs> Put your opponent on tilt, real bad. Showing. <laughs> that would actually be fantastic. <laughs> but uh, all right, so everyone's looking at me now. Um, pretty much the only stuff I've been working on the last little bit was uh, a little bit more Necromunda scenery. So I still have. Uh, it was mostly just assembly this time around, doing some clipping and uh, mold line removal of holy shit. There's a lot of mold lines yep. um, on that scenery, so it's fine. It's good. It's progress. Nice, Tom. How about yourself? Ooh, um, probably one of the lighter weeks for me. I just painted up or converted and painted up an ogren for my Necromunda gang. That's it. That's really. Oh, and did a bit of work on a commission, but I, that doesn't really count. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't count. Right? Um, but now that... I'm just going to segue right into Shadow and Take My Money. Now that I've got the new bits from Forge World for my Necromunda... Which was the Rat Bombs? The Rat Bombs. And the Alternate Weapon... <laughs> Is everybody here? Weapon it? Set 1. Okay, <laughs> everybody here? Is a rattle around? Um, and the uh, the heads um, from Forge World to convert up. Um, so, you know, some more options for Icador, especially because the fact that... Do you have a second box? Yeah. Okay. So I'm guessing you need more than the initial box because they're just quite numerous. Yeah. Most gangs, most gangs, um, your starting list uses almost every model out of a box of 10. Mm. Um, so you're very quickly looking at buying a second box. And you generally want to just for weapon options anyway. Because yeah. you don't what get... What happens if you upgrade one guy to a different weapon? Yeah, you Steve. You switch the model out. Yeah, what happens? You switch to right. a model. Right. Just throw the old one directly in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just spike him in the ground. Explode yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so I got that, and I'm looking forward to getting some more of those guys put together. And then I picked up ch- Chapter Approved. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was pretty cheap. Yeah. I'll but I did that. also, I did pick up some of the Necromunda bases, so that I could actually convert up some Was it mo- the big box of all three sizes or yeah. whatever? Yeah. That thing is such a damn good deal. 
Yeah, it was the like 16 bucks or 18 bucks or whatever yeah. at Roy's. And it had like 35 bases of yes. different sizes or something in it. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. No, the bases from GW are such a good deal. Yeah, you're like paying, paying like 40 cents a base or something yeah. instead of buying resin bases yeah, that are like too. $2 each. Yeah. And well, they're crisper detail in a lot of cases. Too. Yeah, the only downside is that the 40 mils are all the exact same pattern. But, like, you rotate them and you don't notice. No, I mean, it's, it's deck plating. So Plus, whatever. also, there's not a lot of 40 mil models. Yeah, it's generally just um, the, some of, like, the Ambots and yeah. Ogrins and some of the other, like, guys that you might only have one of in a gang. Like, I did up a whole batch of 40 mil bases from the Sector Mechanicus from my Gene Stealers. And then realized that all the air quotes big models in my list use 32s <laughs> and i'm just like oh never mind <laughs> i have all these bases and nothing to use them with nice solid if you need more let me know because i'm not going to use the those bases for my other guys really and they do come in all the boxes honestly i should probably be okay because i have that one box and then every other box i buy of necromunda stuff has those bases in it bases. so which, honestly, it's something that I didn't realize until I actually got Necromunda the first time. Because I remember I was asking Dan, like, where do you get those sweet-ass bases? And I hadn't opened the box yet. He's like, open the fucking box, dude. <laughs> like, yep. uh, it's, it's really cool that they're actually shipping all of their Necromunda minis with sweet-ass bases. Yep, I agree. I've been from the start. What yep. are you picking up this week? Oh, well, we made an order from Forge World that showed up really quick, like three days. Yeah, yeah it was, it was expedient. Yeah, so with that, I picked up the Warlord Titan for Adeptus Titanicus' tri-weapon pack. That's a pricey boy. Did you forget about that? I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also, then once the Forge World order came in, I saw how cool they... Look for the, the weapons packs and the different hit options. So I made a, another order directly right away for some other Necromunda items. Did you get that order up to 150? Oh yeah, absolutely. That was. It's, <laughs> it's not hard. That wasn't a problem. So. It is not hard. I'm just like, well, I mean, like, I need some extra stuff and advanced stars. I'll probably do next. So I'll did you just get a box of just shields, like the the shield pack? Yes, I did order one of those naturally. Yeah. Do you want to give me? Two because I used two on my <laughs> conversions. And now I have a box of Ansars and no shields. <laughs> no shields. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, you're doing something totally different too. I am. Right. So but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that after. Yeah. Uh, and then what else? Um, yeah, that's kind of some Necromunda stuff kind of going on right now, and that's pretty much it. And little bits of terrain here and there that I'm still picking up when I see. But I'm waiting until after Christmas now. I think so. Nice. Yeah. Mike. Well, let's see. Uh, mostly this week is just Necromunda weapon packs for the Delac and the Vansar. I'm ready to build. I've already got the extra boxes for both. You know, it's not a bad idea, to be honest. If you, I don't know if you've got all your guys all batch built and assembled and painted all at once. But if you do, like, the first 10, where you glue the arms on and paint them as normal, and then just, like, just paint the bodies and the heads as a separate batch, then you can just add the arms later once you know what you're upgrading. Because a lot of the cool gear is not necessarily, like, um, a lot of the stuff in the house list, like the basic gear, is what comes on the spruce. Mm -hmm. So the stuff on the forge old weapon packs is maybe stuff that you have to make, like, a rarity test to try and find. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, you might not be able to actually field the models that you painted right away, but... Well, I'm hoping, yeah, because the first box, I'm going to just kind of shoot for just, yeah, straight stuff out of the box in the, in the book. 
and then the fourth when the forge world stuff does show up that'll be the second box and yeah it's a pretty solid way of doing it that's how it's exactly how i did it little shiny bits and pieces and i'm already just like i don't like these things <laughs> <laughs> i gotta get oh you're just sour because you got shot a lot yeah i also <laughs> didn't realize you only give me one juve in that gang and i was treating all the guys that didn't have weapons that would require them to be something other than a juve like Oh. So I was playing with like several juves that I didn't instead of gangers. <laughs> so you just had terrible stats for no reason? Correct. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I thought it was fine. I mean, normally it's a good thing to have, you know, functional ballistic skill and weapon skill, so I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong about that. Also, I kind of want every model to have a flail. Those things are fucking good. Yeah, they're good. Entangle is kind of fun. No parry for you. Yeah. Okay, for me, I have to admit, I'm looking at Age of Sigmar. I keep saying this. There's a bunch of Age of Sigmar stuff that I'm always interested in. Slaves to Darkness. Those models are fantastic. Holy right? fuck. Right? I don't it's, even like Chaos stuff. It's like, hey, would you like an entire army where every single model looks better than, like, the Underworld's gangs? Yeah, you know they're Because that's a thing. They're apparently all push-fit. Really? Yeah, that's what I, I have heard. I don't know if that's actually you know true. It might just be like the Sisters of Battle box where the ones in the Get Started box are the limited mm. assembly ones, and then the separate kits will be full option. That's, again, purely speculation on my part. But yeah, sure. That's exactly what they did with the Sisters, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it here too. No, that's what I was uh, looking at and thinking, oh, God, this has happened to me like a million times. I don't think I'm going to jump in, but uh, like Ideneth Deepkin... Um, there's been a bunch of other ones. The Ossiarch Bone Reapers, like now Slaves of Darkness. Age of Sigmar is like right there. Right there. I'm really worried that at some point next year, one or two of us are going to cave and we're just all going to cave. Yep. Because you were slowly, like, you've been teetering of like, Nighthawks, I'm right? thinking I, about doing it with anything undead. I didn't, I didn't want to say, but I also built 20 uh, Chain Rast Horrors. So... And Mike's already got, what, like seven painted AOS armies? <laughs> yeah, one four? of us caving. One of us caving. <laughs> Only four? Long since done. I don't uh, think it's bad. No, it's four, but it, that's, I haven't converted over to round bases with the other guys. I don't think it's one of us caving. It's just Mike suckering one of us like, hey, whoa, 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 first whoa, whoa. taste is free. Well, i got to tell you, now now that they announced that uh, square basing is coming back at some point in the next, I don't know, decade, whenever the fuck it's going to happen, uh, I'm definitely not moving my scaven over. To round bases. Oh, okay. Have we talked? We haven't talked about that, have we? No, we haven't at all. Because they, I mean, there's not much to talk about. Although, here's the thing: if they actually bring back square base, twenty-eight mil, like, yeah, rank and file stuff, that yeah. is such a dumb call. Sure, but the point is, is I'm not doing anything with my scaven until yeah, that happens. for sure. But like, we don't need another game like that. Kings of War is in that space. Yeah, no, Ninth Age is in that space. I, I don't disagree. We need fucking epic. So we or uh, Warmaster. <laughs> That's, Battle, a, that's a hot take. Battlefleet Gothic. Do we need that? I'm not sure, but I'm sure you're <laughs> if, if, if we're going to get square bases, it's got to be at the smaller scale, so you can actually play those big epic battles. Maybe. If they, Anyways. I don't know. I think it'd be interesting, just as my like 30-second take, if they actually did like an actual 9th edition and just like fix Steadfast, yep. made skirmishers and fast cabin things actually useful for something. Yep. Like, Game's good. The, the game didn't need that much fixing, in my opinion. Okay. It's just that everything was stubborn and 10 with a reroll. Yeah. Like, leadership was just not a thing. It's just grind into dust yeah, yeah, until yeah. something's dead. I like, could not agree more. And honestly, you can fix both of those things very simply. 
By saying skirmishers and fast cap breaks dead fast in the flank. Yep. Because they're made to be disruption units, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That solves literally all of those problems with one fucking rule. Or even just capping stubborn at, like, there's a maximum penalty you can have your leadership. Like, it's not hard. Kay. Just don't make everything's leadership 10 with a reroll. Okay, we're, we're well past <laughs> the point of this. Slaves of Darkness. I like it. Dan, what are you, what are you picking up? Um, oh, yeah, that whole thing. Um, Blackstone <laughs> Fortress Annual. Mm. They're doing the compendium right. thing for, um, like, all the rules that came out in White Dwarf. Um, oh. The rules as well that came out in some of the supplements, like the whatever, like the Trader Guard Command set with the Commissar and the, and the Ogren. I was also just told that you could play solitaire. Yes, there are. There's rules for there's rules for playing like solo mode where you only get yeah. one hero. Yeah. And one of the new characters that they added for that mode is literally a solitaire. I guarantee you, over the holiday break, I'm playing Blackstone by myself. Solitaire. <laughs> just I saying. I don't know. There's a flash kit now in Blackstone, so I'm kind of excited about that. Because Amelin Shadow Guide, or whatever her name was, not as cool as a solitaire. Solitaire just ripping through an abandoned space station is awesome. Just a motherfucking flash kit? Not the same as solitaire. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Not even close. Way better than solitaire. Not even close. Way better. His gun is way more snazzier. It's true. It is legitimately the snazziest gun in 40k. Uh, that is sure. <laughs> that is sure. I'll go with it. Tell me one other that. gun in 40k called a snaz gun, Steve. It's true, it is the snazziest by name. I will give you that. I will give you that. I will concede there. But, point is I want to play Solitaire. Yeah. That's a good pickup. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. Just did all the rules in one place. You don't have to haul all the fucking white dwarfs around. Yep. Classic annual format. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I'm surprised they actually supported it as long as they did. I I didn't think that game was going to get as much love. If they do that for pretty much all of their, like, air quote, board game releases, where they come out with an expansion or two every couple months come out with some white dwarf scenarios and stuff that really does add a lot of legs to it like and the annuals kind of helps gives them an opportunity to re to also re-advertise it because you kind of miss oftentimes in the white dwarf because like i'm not buying every white dwarf unless they keep releasing cards for the games i want to play in every fucking white dwarf sure um yeah that's a really good way to get me to spend 11 dollars <laughs> right yeah totally because i got it last month with the fucking grot well, I mean, the it's, the same, it's the same thing they did for years with Index of Stardust, right? Like, you pick it up because you want the rules for whatever. Like, it, it was a yeah. great place to just add little bits to certain armies. Yep. Yeah, and there's some sweet Necromunda stuff coming up in this next one. Yep. Yeah, it's the it's basically an equivalent to, like, Blood Bowl 7s, where it's, like, smaller gangs, like, 30-minute games. Love it. Absolutely love it. That so, I'm interested in. Don't really know the specifics of that, per se, but the idea is, yeah, smaller games, um, faster games, a limited rule set in, like, a little pamphlet. Yeah, I was playing a game of Infinity this week, and I was talking about the comparisons between Necromunda and Infinity after we ran through that first game. Yeah. That is exactly what Necromunda needs, is 30-minute games. Simple 30-minute games, same format. That would do a lot for it, in my mind. You know, especially for those people that are lucky enough to have other gamers in their workplace, for that, like, lunch league yeah. dream that, you know, some of us have had yeah. for years. Yeah, because yeah, you could spend an hour just setting up buildings for a full-size game. Sure, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Probably, sure. hopefully not literally, but like... No, no I, you're, yeah. you're not wrong. There's a lot uh, of terrain required. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we may as well talk a little bit more about the thing that we bought. Did you pick up Chapter oh, Brief? Yeah. yeah, it's right there. No, no it's not mine. Yours? Okay, mine. mine's somewhere That's in this mine. house. Um, it looks the same. <laughs> so, this is the second year in a row that I'm just kind of like, well, eh, whatever. It's not very shiny. No, it sucks. It's matte. Straight up, uh, I'm kind of upset that I have to buy it for points for that little booklet. 
Well, and the funny thing is that you don't really have to. Because you just battle scribe. Yeah, but I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that it came out with, like, both of them in one. Because when I originally, like, saw the post, I thought that they were both going to be... Two separate purchases? Two separate purchases. I would have liked that more. Because the rules in there, I don't need. They're all reprints. There's nothing new. <sighs> yeah, that's probably one of the... I'm not sure if I love or hate that fact. So, on one hand, the fact that all of the updated rules are keeping on carrying over from each chapter approved means, excuse me, if I get into the game this year, yeah, you just buy it I don't year. have to buy the last two years. Yeah, true. true it true. also means I don't have to bring more than one chapter approved to a tournament. Yep. Right? So that, that is nice. Yeah, it's all in one place. But, sure. you know, in all honesty, for me, I think the biggest... Um, letdown is that there's still a few things in the game that could use a bit of cleaning up yep and they didn't even think about addressing it in here no i agree like space marines just aren't powerful enough well that actually didn't pan out they did not <laughs> space marines did not get points drops those rumors did not happen yeah no Thank God. that was so but honestly no the thing that for me is altering steve Ultra the reroll mechanic what yeah, to hit yeah sure. where some of them you take into account modifiers, so like technically it hits before the modifiers, so you don't get to reroll oh, so it. The reroll misses versus reroll attack rolls. Yeah, kind of like I would have loved yeah. to see them just clean something up in the game because I understand kind of why it's there, but we don't need that in the game. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I totally agree with that because there's a, there's more than a few armies that rely on negatives to hit, um, and the reroll mechanic to go to the simpler reroll mechanic. I do admit that it's it's by far probably the most misplayed. Uh, rule by relatively newer players. It's Even by veteran players. It, yeah, man. that's true. It's very subtle, the wording of it, like how that re-roll works, um, but it's it's huge for certain armies, right? Um, so I, just, I kind of... And, I the costing of it, and the costing of anybody that has the re-roll attacks, not re-roll misses, yeah. is going to be costed appropriately, because yeah. that power is a very big difference. And in all honesty, if Marines didn't have the full re-rolls from Chapter Masters, they wouldn't be that oppressive. That's huge. Anyways. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then also, they have a whole ton of terrain rules in here, but none of them are actually addressing any of the questions we have about terrain. Or just making things neater or cleaner. Like, it's it's just a bunch of shit from White Dwarf, and some points costs, and a weird chart for making a rando army with a bunch of random shit in it. That might be my favorite part of the entire book. Like, when you, when you want to talk about phoning in uh, a section for the book, here we're going to give you a chart that you just roll, and it generates you an entirely fucking random army. Like, you, you like it's not even from one faction. Like, it's, it's the, literally the most absurd thing I've seen. Yeah, the I, open war army generator. Didn't AOS, or was it 8th edition? Like, one of the fantasy versions had basically that, where it was like... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like why what and first of all, who has the collection to make that work? Like this is also insane from that standpoint. Just to have like literally every single unit choice. Who does that, Mike? Who does that? Yeah, I guess Mike could <laughs> potentially build a random army. I could, but would I? No. Yeah, and the the, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's stupid. Your army wouldn't look good, it wouldn't play well. Like it's it's just an insane thing. Like I I'm, I'm gonna try some of the maelstroms to see how they are, because maybe that's there's some interesting stuff in the Maelstrom missions. That's the one piece that I think is actually useful in there. They they uh, added some stratagems or, or rules for the Maelstrom stuff to make the games a little bit better and a little less random, a little more choice, which, yep. which is good. They talk about using the objective decks. And, yep. and they talk about 
using the open war decks and stuff like that too in here. It's just yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, although you know what, for one one thing I will say about it, it was pretty cheap. How much was it again? Uh, I think from Thunderground was like thirty five bucks. Thirty six. Thirty six. So that means forty bucks sticker from G Dub, which all things considered is not that bad. Yeah, I. I still just resent the fact that the points cost update should just be a fucking PDF. Yep. Like. Yep. You've yep. already bought the army book, and you're rebuying the points cost for it every year. If you only play one army, that's a terrible deal. Yep, I agree. I. Well, we've talked about this the last episode. Uh, they need to go to an electronic system. Yeah. Yep. They need to have some sort of app or distribution method that isn't that. That is an absolute joke. Yeah. And I despise buying it every year because they do not. You don't get your value. Like, yeah, anyways. So the one thing that's really kind of cool about it, though, is overlapping with Legends. There's a few models, at least for Orcs, that I thought were going to be going to Legends that aren't. Interesting. So the oh, Orc right. Warboss on a Warbike right. has points in Chapter Approved, so he's not going to Legends, as well as a... Or, are you uh, sure? Did you look at the PDF? Because Legends all came out of separate No, no, videos. it did, and they're not in there. Really? And, yeah, and the Big Mac with Custom Force Field. Fuck it. Why do I play Eldar? Everything that was good went to Legends. <laughs> Anyways. So, but he's not bitter. No. And he loves Ultramarines. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to see that, like, you know, we actually have some of the Orc units, and they're probably going to be coming out with models for them sooner than later. Yeah, I can see that happening. Right, because um, as it stood right now, um, the orc book has a ton of characters that went to legends. Yeah, because there's a lot of different options, much like Space Marines, or where yeah. you had like this guy on bike or that guy on jetpack. Or sorry, blah, blah, blah. sorry, white scars. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> you, ha you had a good run there. You know yeah. what? But frankly, I feel like a white scar player since the switch over to this eighth edition format has kind of been like is really fucking used to it. Yeah, because, like, their entire army... I really think about Aaron, where his whole army was on bikes. And, like, had, technically a, you can play that now? He, he had a Predator. But, yeah, it's like... The and an Assault bike. Squad. But, like... <laughs> that army's not really functional anymore. Unless you just don't want command points. Oh, yeah, if you're fine with having, like, 6 CP, go to town. Yeah. Yeah. No, but... I, the Legends thing is interesting, because I, I actually like what they're doing with it. Um... Where they're basically saying, these are for tournament play. Like, if I go play Aaron a game, I'm going to have no problem with him running uh, all those Legends units. Absolutely okay, right? That's the thing. But if you go to a tournament, having an understanding of, like, what you're probably going to play and not some sort of, like, bizarro Legends unit from 10 years ago that has this one particular interaction that isn't really thought about within the context of the Codex, I'm okay with that. That being said... All my Autarchs lost Banshee Masks, which really, really hurts for the Eldar army. Overwatch is tough when you're Toughness 3. Like, it's, it's a thing. Without so, particularly great saves. Yeah. So, having nothing that can really deal with that for Craft World Eldar is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I cool. Uh, The thing I was a little bit surprised about, and maybe not that surprised, I guess, is that... Uh, so, Necrons didn't even have a Legends list. Well, that makes sense to me, though, because what would they put in there? Pariahs! Give us fucking rules for Pariahs again! Yeah, but, okay, fair. I know I just, like, I forgot about Pariahs entirely, but Pariahs became the, uh, like, Lich Guard in that kit, right? Like, that's what they kind of got. Do either, those, Air quotes. do either of those units still have the weird, like, psychic no. null rules? That's, no. yeah. No, just no. I And I never did understand why those guys completely changed, but yeah. whatever. 
Honestly, it was the, because they uh, switched Necrons over. Yeah, and they switched over what the they they retcon Necrons. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Super hard going into fifth. Yeah, the Satan or the shards and all that sort of stuff. They changed yeah. them quite a bit, for sure. Yeah. Got retcon super hard. Well, not not too too much, but some of their more recent stuff did. Like their general backstory is the same, which is good because I absolutely love like the whole war in heaven thing. Yeah, yeah. And but then, like what they are changed a lot. Yeah. Eh, they were always slaves to the Satan. But like wraiths completely different now they're constructs instead of wraiths oh i don't know that i didn't realize they used to be different yeah so basically if you look at any of the stuff in the necron book now canoptic yeah means built by the necrons oh interesting which is why they typically don't have the reanimation protocols like everybody else okay cool. so that's why the wraiths are just like these robots that other robots built instead of these spectral monstrosities hmm. even though they still have like spectral rules I don't know. <laughs> I never really read the old fluff for the Necrons, so it's all the same to me. <laughs> yeah, and all the old Necron fluff that I read was basically the Eldar version of it. So yeah, fine. so you got like the hundred percent unbiased view of yeah, the well, Necron it's very, fluff. It's, it's, a, it's a you know much larger view. It's not the details of the actual yeah. race. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but other than that, I don't know. Is any? It's, it's cool. I like that they're going to keep the rules there. I'm glad. You know what? mad that I have to buy it because I don't think it's a good value. I am happy that they're not uh, addressing the game once every six years. Yeah. I would have hoped that there would be more also in the terrain section too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, like, flipping through my uh, Imperial Fist Codex, like, I can do a lot of stuff to buildings, but there's yep. never anything to do to buildings, so... And no one takes fortifications anymore. That's another thing they could have fixed. Add a fortification slot to um, one detachment. I don't know. Maybe some way of taking it where it's not a full detachment on its own. Oh, it's a full detachment yeah. on its own now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's awful. Which is why nobody takes fortifications. Because you just need to spam your CP. You need to you need to lose an entire detachment, yeah. That's bad. Yeah. That's real bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't even realize that because I just had that thought in my head of like, oh shit, like it has been so long since I've even thought about fortifications, I don't know how you fit them in the army anymore. Yeah, they're 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 a slot, but they only have one detachment they can be taken in. Wow. Which is a fortification network, which is one detachment. That yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Which and I is also, why you've never seen a fortification on the table since yeah. seventh. I also really wouldn't mind seeing them like so magic boxes are such a prevalent thing for ITC players. I would love to see Games Workshop either bring those rules in Somehow, in like I don't know if there was some kind of an annual update I, document they released. I do not know what that means. <laughs> Magic they box. Have, okay, so there's. I'm confused. So in 40k, you have the runes rule, uh, which is basically infantry can move through it. Okay, Kool-Aid walks the walls. Sight. Yeah, infantry are considered to have breaching charges or whatever. They can go through shattered walls, like any sort of war movie you've seen, uh, through windows, that kind of thing. Vehicles cannot. Uh, any only infantry can move through it, uh, but what happens if you have a rune that has four sides, like so, a fully enclosed building? It basically it's rules for enclosed buildings. Gotcha. And because okay. the forty k rulebook does not have them. Yeah, because you don't have such a thing as buildings anymore. You have fortifications, which you can't take. So if it's just a building on the table, it's a rune, and you can't like interact with it. So the the ruling is as rules is written. If it's enclosed on all four sides. Infantry can move in, and nothing can shoot them inside, uh, unless right. they have line of sight. Like, like indirect fire kind of stuff. Yeah, which uh, is something that has totally not been addressed, and they really do need to deal with. 
yeah, it either just make it a real rule because honestly, a lot of the frontline guys are playtesters. Yeah, they work with Games Workshop on these things. Like, it's actually a decent way to play the game too because it makes infantry interesting. Um, like, or have some. And frankly, yeah. if Games Workshop actually made it a rule, then they could start working with it. Yeah, totally. Right, so there's some armies or builds that get completely fucked by them, like knights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cannot deal with a magic box. Well, you have your missile hats, Ward. I have my missile hats. You have three D6 strength five shots. I will now go to two D6 strength five shots. Did they go up the points? Because the points adjustment. Really? You lose a missile yeah. hat. I lose a missile hat. Even with, Even the, with the armatures going down? down? Armatures go down, but my gallons go up by more. Oh, interesting. Like, and inter- I, I think the thing here is that if they're assuming that there's a lot my of magic boxes on the table, having things like missile hats maybe go down in points. Yeah, yeah. Because you, the knights should be able to have more of them. Like, well, specifically knights' missile hats. Or yeah. you should be able to destroy the buildings. Like, give the yes. buildings actual, like, damage yes. points and... Be able to like destroy a building. It's completely unrealistic for a knight to be able to damage a building, Ward. Correct. Be reasonable. Correct. You do. They're not imperial fists. They, they already have these rules in City Fight, and they're excellent. <laughs> yeah. It's a stratagem to knock down a building, and you need to have a weapon that either has a shot characters of heavy D6 shots, or like strength eight or something like that. You can basically knock structure points off buildings, do mortal wounds to the stuff inside. It's an absolutely excellent rule. And to be honest, being able to destroy buildings in the city is actually insanely fun oh yeah it is even if it's not even if it's not really yeah. worth the investment in terms of like damage output to do it it is fucking satisfying yeah when you get to go full godzilla with your knights through a build through a city like it's amazing this is why you should be playing monster apocalypse because yeah. that is legitimately the entire game is destroying buildings <laughs> okay yeah that was tangential but that's that's like my favorite thing that they added in the the battletech um city fight like urban warfare DLC for the video game is like the urban environments that have like stray shots. Like if you're, you miss in an environment in a city, you can like smash buildings in the background. God damn. It's fun. Oh yeah. It's so cinematic to be able to affect your terrain. Yeah. No, I wish they would do that. Honestly, they need to have a rune type and they need to have a building type and building can do great into runes. Done. Problem solved. Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe chapter approved 2020. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Unlikely. I'm pretty sure Chapter Proof 2020 is going to have even less new content than this one. Yeah, we'll see. Because that's kind of been the thing, is that each Chapter Proof, the first one, 2017, was amazing. Yeah. 2018 was pretty fucking good. Yeah. 2019? A little bit of a letdown. And well... It's a lot of a letdown, man. I suppose if they're coming out with an expansion book literally every single month, maybe there's not a con- not a lot of content left for but chapter proof. But do you also think yeah, there's less stuff for chapter proof because they released the FAQ so fast after It's not even the up. FAQs, it's because they're releasing like a psychic awakening or campaign type book every fucking month. That mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. a lot of the cool little mini rules that they would sprinkle through White Dwarf just go in campaign books Like now. the 8th uh, or the 8, the cuz 2017 or 2018 had the the Tau uh, Side Enclave 8 which would totally end up in psychic awakening now. Yeah. Or something like that. It's a good point. And 2018 also had the Sisters of Battle Codex. Right. Yeah, the beta rules. Right. So. Anywho, I'm yeah. not, not super stoked on it. Bought it. Need it. Yeah, it's kind of essential if you're really going to keep playing the game, but that doesn't make it satisfying no. to have to buy it. It just For means sure. you have to. I give it a solid, like, two and a half bucks. I'm going to go with a two. I, I only give it a two and a half because it was cheap enough. I want to see more out of it. 
Anybody else got strong feelings on it? I'm only going to give it a two because I like shiny books and it's dull. I'm going to give it a three because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Screw that, too. Got to balance it out, man. Uh, my point is proven. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so in other big news for 40K, there was the Atlanta Pro Tourney last weekend. Yeah, this is more of a big news than just general tabletop gaming because it's... Uh, it made waves, so... Dollar dollar bills, y'all. Yeah, so this is a tournament that uh, advertised very prominently a $10,000 uh, prize uh, for playing in the tournament. So it was a 40K singles event uh, in Atlanta. Um, nine rounds. They ended up with 100 players. Uh, the part that's interesting about it is the company, I guess, I'm not even sure if it's entirely the company that put this on, uh, but it was held at Axis Replay, which is an esports venue in Atlanta. It's an absolutely massive building. They do like League of Legends tournaments, uh, lots of streaming. Um, it's a really, really cool venue. Um, like the actual um, footage from the Twitch stream that they were were doing. It's it's a it'd be a cool tournament to go to. Um, they had like huge screens up on the main stage. They had like three tables streaming at all times with the game projected above the game of being played. Hmm. So other people could watch the game without being close, which is something that I would always like at LVO because they keep you away from the final table. If they could project it up top and basically have people watch at the same time as it's going on, that would be cool for tournament goers, especially when you're in the last round not being able to play. Um, So venue was amazing. Access Replay, esports company, clearly trying to take 40K in the esports direction. The stream was... Uh, super professional like they had uh better than gw overlays um they would like do exactly what you see in pro sports like they would talk up they would zoom in on like let's say the incarn's making an attack on this particular model pull up its stats talk about his weapons uh explain (laughs) that to people and then like pull pull back to the army list so they had like a full animation team yes and then they would show like they would the beginning of the game they would show like this is the deployment style that they're going with these are the secondaries that they picked and then like animate into like this is the secondary this is the deployment and like animate the deployment zones like it was top dollar uh production value it was it was actually something else to watch um because it's not like what gw has done where gw's has been pretty high quality this is like straight up next level yeah this blows private press out of the water because they for years they've even had the uh like the graphics pen where they can draw over the table and stuff like that yeah. Um, but it sounds like these guys have gone even further. But, like, this is full Monday Night Football kind of shit. Yeah, I mean, not quite there, but getting like that, right? Like, close enough for rock and roll. 100%. Yeah. Did they debut any uh, Star Wars trailers during the stream? No. Because then it'd be full Monday Night Football. No, but during during the stream breaks, they had, like, um, Army Painter ads. Like, it, it felt like watching, like, a, a sport. Like, they had, like, gaming-related ads through the whole thing. Um, they had quite a lot of sponsors, um, so the big thing is the elephant in the room is the $10,000 prize purse. Uh, the internet prior to this was losing their minds about collectively about, uh, adding money to gaming is going to increase cheating. It's not the first time that this point has come up. Like art boys was very much the same thing. You put too much of a dollar figure prize. People were, are going to worry about that, but so I want to know what your guys' take is on that. What do you think about money in gaming? Like, like serious money. So, ultimately for me, I don't think it's going to change anything at the top level. 
but I do worry... We've talked about this before, right? Your, your best players in any of the games understand what it is. And they're not there to be a dick. They're there to play the game and they want to win clean and win fair. But there's a lot of these players that are just kind of on the cusp of being that player, that are trying to do everything they can to become that player, and I'm a little worried that if this becomes a trend where there's more opportunities for this, where someone might look at this as a career path of being a competitive blank player for any game, sure. that they, the people that are not really good enough to do it but have that like misplaced drive may become more problematic in local scenes. Sure. Yeah. In but local I, scenes, I can see that. But I don't think it's going to change much at this level. Because like you were saying, there was refs, like one for every three or four tables. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. Yeah, that's right. They had, uh, like in the first rounds, they had the 100 players, they had one ref per every five tables. And they they made went out of their way, because everybody always talks about a rules judge, right? Like that's the common terminology at, at gaming tournaments. I need a judge over at this table. Um, Ward, I have a problem. Um... <laughs> You get, with that. you get uh, a judge. They went out of their way to correct people when they said they were talking about a rules judge. It was a referee. Because they were calling out active rules refing. Like, if you made an infraction and it clearly wasn't a mistake, they would yellow card you right there. Like, it was very um, active, I guess would be the best term. So it, it's, it's a lot harder to cheat when you have that going on, where you can't just be like, you know, making up stats or, or rolling dice behind a building, right? Like, That's interesting. And if you have those refs that actually have the intense rules knowledge, and not just people that can, like, quickly come in and, like, four-plus it for you or whatever, yeah. but, like, actually know the rules, like, that yeah. is... That's a dynamic that, I mean, most TOs can't dream of that because if you have 10 people for referees, that's 10 people that aren't playing games. They paid each one of their refs 50 bucks to come for the day. So, I mean, it's not a lot. Yeah, not, I mean, not, also not to mention, like, yeah, they're, they've got a small, like, area that they have to cover with, like, five tables worth of stuff. So you can actually so pay you attention. You can actually pay attention. And, yeah. And, like, just overhear, even if you just overhear something, and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, no, that's actually not correct, that sort of thing. Whereas, like, lots of events, like LVO. No, there's zero chance. Can't do that, right? So. They have a judging staff of, like, ten people, and that's. So That's if, a lot. if you have somebody actively refing in your area, you're less likely, I would think, to try totally. to pull something. Whereas I agree. LVO, you could still see those people that are just trying to win at all costs, like yeah, be, be that be that player that you don't want to run into necessarily. Like, like Mike, Mike, like Mike. Yeah, guy, <laughs> totally that into. guy. Uh, what's interesting when you touched on Frontline, Frontline sponsored, uh, like pr- uh, printed all the mats for them. So Frontline's involved in this and is like, I think, on board um, with generally the concept. Um, so that's also really interesting. Did what? they use the ITC terrain packs? They use the ITC scenarios, yes. No terrain packs. I don't know who printed their terrain packs, um, which we could also talk about. Um, they Their mats had standard terrain placements. So that's one of the other things that they did um, that was kind of interesting is uh, you basically had on the mat printed... Actually, a lot like the, the mat that I have, where it's got the city streets. They had a, uh, a mat that was printed that looked, like, good. It wasn't yeah. anything special, but it looked decent. But it had marked out, basically, like, the footprint of each rune. So the MDF terrain was placed on the footprint. So you had um, actually decent-looking terrain for tournament terrain. It wasn't great. I wouldn't write home about it. Uh, but it was okay quality, like, ruined L's. Uh, and they went... 
two more or less in the center offsetting each other um, one in each uh, deployment zone um, in the quarters deployment zone so also in your like 12 inch out deployment zone a crater in the center and then a hill on the other side so you had each side had basically symmetrical terrain two big line of sight blockers places to hide stuff uh, very well thought out objectives weren't hidden behind terrain objectives were actually out on the table so you had to go and actually make a conscious decision to go get the objective each objective was printed on the map like a, a dotted line around where it would go so you had every single objective layout placed on the mat uh, with very thin lines around it so you could see exactly where units needed to be so from a streaming standpoint it was really easy to tell what was going to score points where things were um, deployment zones were on dotted lines as well every single one so it was an interesting um terrain setup very very um i guess yeah standard is the best way to put it i'm not sure how i totally feel about it i can understand when you've got that much money on the line that you might want to have it be that standard but at the same time every single table is the same even if yeah it's part of me is part of me wants there to be some level of variety like two or three pre-configured whatever but then you still get into that what if you happen to get the same one multiple times in a row that's not your preferred one yeah it can still feel like you lost out due to some luck of the draw rather than just like purely randomized or whatever like uniform skill yeah i don't know it's it takes some of the excitement and like originality out of the case but yeah you can also totally plan your deployments ahead of time and like figure out and that. that's and that's that's when one of the things that um got me thinking as well is because like dating back to um you know when i was playing competitive x-wing that was something that i never was willing to do is like really plan out and like micromanage and measure your initial kind of um terrain deployment with the asteroids and your first couple of moves whereas a lot of people that got really good at the game they would actually like they knew they knew all the distances between everything because it was like pre-configured pre-measured like they just practiced the ever-living hell yeah, out sure. of um those those measurements and in a game where you can't pre-measure like that was huge I don't know, it just, it, it does sort of, to me, kind of, like, limit a little bit of the creativity at yeah, the expense Ward, of just, like... Ward, you're the terrain guru. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Uh, a few factors, like, you can't predict who you're going to necessarily play against in the next round, like, what army you're going to be paired up with, mm -hmm. and that that's the random element, and I think the tables also should be a random element. Like, you don't know what you're necessarily going to be playing on. The best example I can think of is actually the team tournament that we played in just like last month where each of us is, is going to play an opponent there's three different tables let's choose a table that might benefit our defender if we're going to throw it down on that table yeah in, but a, in a team format that sure. makes perfect sense yeah but the team format also has uh in a lot like like atc and etc's prescribe like you will have five tables for your five person team and one table will have very little terrain and one will have a crazy amount yeah mm -hmm. like they do a, a very specific sort of they have standardized terrain too, because you know but what in tables a, in a different in way. A different way. Uh, honestly, I I like it for the armies that I play. So here's here's my here, here's where I stand on it. If we're gonna be making this something that is very competitive, and where there are real things on the line, yeah, like ten grand, like that's that's, a, that's real money. Yeah, that's I don't care who you are, that's real money. But does a yeah. purse even need to be that much? Why not? That's the, the, the well, other question. Why it, not? Why it'll not? definitely it'll definitely help get the page views and the Twitch streams and stuff when you can advertise something like that. Yeah, but it's how, a, I think it's almost as much for the streaming advertisement as it is for getting players in the door. How long is that sustainable for? I don't know. Right? But anyways, back to the train. All sorry, right, right, just right. 
Um, I do want to talk about the ten thousand. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But I think with the terrain, I really like the predictability of it. However, it is something that I hope if the, if we're going to go forward with this, I would love to see them make the standardized terrain, but change the layout yearly. Sure. Yeah. So that each year it's a slightly tweaked layout because I can totally see. If this is something that goes on four, five, six years with the exact same terrain layout, we get a little stale. There's going to be certain builds that get mapped to that terrain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I can see that. And that's going to take a lot of the yeah individual players' reactionary skill out of the game, which is something that I find when we make these games really, um, when we distill them so much down to something very, very predictable, it takes out the like the tactical reactionary element of playing these games. Yeah. So much more of it is just. I come into the table with this. The, I guess my concern with it is, is I've the reason that I like it, and I, I echo a lot of your sentiments. The reason that I like it is the armies that I play. Right, like there have been so many games where I've shown up to a table with a close combat like Dark Elder witch list, and it's there's nothing on the table, and like there's maybe one crappy, you know, barricade in a hill. And you're like, oh, this is gonna go excellent. This is absolutely perfect. Like the game is built to have terrain. And I think a lot of uh, TOs that aren't necessarily 40k players um, will put terrain out in a way that they think looks good, but don't think about the way the game plays. Uh, and you need to have a balance of both. And that's why I like the idea of uh, predefined terrain, um, is you have good gameplay, and then you can put whatever terrain you want in those particular areas as long as it looks good. Right? Like, you can still do that sort of stuff. Um so I, I really like it, and I, but I'm with you. I think they do need to change it up, and I think they probably will because the scenarios do change year to year. Like ITC always gets tweaked, and they, they constantly are, are changing the, the way the scenarios work. So I can't imagine it would always stay the same. Like objective placement would change, therefore terrain would have to move. Um, but yeah, the idea of just having like, even just prescribing, you should have one rune in the deployment zone so that you can hide a unit or two if you need to from shooting, like other than indirect. Having one hill... Like, having something in the center that kind of blocks terrain. I think having a pre-described formula for the amount is different than having it established on a board yeah, locked but... into the position. You're a Knights player. You don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to say that right now. <laughs> like, the Tau players, Knights players, terrain, who gives a shit? Well, but I... they could also do something simple like, this is footprint A, and in footprint A, you could put rune one, building one... Well, one of the something things, one. It's like yeah, you, I suppose you, one of the things you need like four mind. or five ruins. You need one or two like magic boxes. You need this many like little scatter terrain pieces, right? Yeah, and have that, and then again. But what happens if that uh, rune on this particular table is six inches forwards from my particular deployment zone, and I can't use it because I didn't win a dice roll? Should I just get better at dice? Get better at dice. Take like the class. You know what I'm saying? No, but if there is that kind of money on the line for this, like having it cleaned up is good. Um, one of the things that I really hope is that we embrace the idea that different events can have different character or feel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that one of the things I love the most about Blood Bowl is that a lot of the different events that I go to are very different. They have different little special rules. They have different builds. They really change up what you're bringing. And so certain events promote different style builds. Yeah. Um, one of the problems with 40k right now is everything is just ITC all the same. And actually, like, let's say 
locally, for an example, Onslaught had, this is what your expected tables are going to be. Mm-hmm. And Out of the Basement had, this is what their expected tables are going to be. And you knew going into it, it was going to be this this layout. Yeah. You could kind of think about it for that event. But if yeah. every fucking event that I go to has the exact same tables, fuck that noise. I'm sorry, I'd stop going. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I I, uh, I agree with. Like, I think the general layout should be somewhat prescribed, but I think each table should look different. Like, I'd like to see a snow table and a desert table, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, I like to see the bit of a bit of difference in it, but at the same time, still have a playable table. Know that I'm not going to get screwed no matter where I end up. Yeah, because the universe and the visuals for me are such a big element yeah. of drawing me to be interested in the game in the first yes. place. Agreed. That if everything is just a carbon copy low detail mdf buildings yes everything's exactly the same like yeah it's it's not going to have the same appeal to me visually which i totally agree with and i think that's one of the things the atlanta pro tournament that was failing is it was low detail mdf the same on every table i like where they're going with it and it wasn't like super low quality it wasn't like absolutely awful but it wasn't like knights of dice level mdf buildings not even it wasn't london gt Nothing is on par with that London GT, though. Oh, my God. Holy crap, that thing sounded like a cluster. Yeah, that they also Weren't fire. they also selling, like, five pounds per chocolate bar and bottle of water I or something? Be surprised, like, but... Everything about that sounded like a disaster. Holy but... fuck. But, yes. Yeah. Anyway, know. speaking of terrain... So did we want to did we want to come up with a conclusion first? We should we should talk about the the, <laughs> the cost and or the the prize pool and what we were kind of talking about here. Um, was it a one person gets ten grand or ten grand in total prizes? Ten grand in total prizes. First place was five grand. Okay. Okay, that's different than that. Yeah. That's still a lot. That's did biggest, okay. Is, question. Did was there any kind of money going towards soft scores? I don't believe so. It was first so, place was uh, five grand. Second place was twenty five hundred. Uh, maybe presentation would have been like 500 bucks i didn't look at the players pack that close the the army that won presentation was absolutely gorgeous and deserved some money there but that that's a whole other thing paying out dollars for presentation is because you don't know if people actually painted their own shit that's subjective yeah of course right so but um, i don't know if there was anything around soft scores i don't think there was okay um because that is the other thing is that the what tournaments reward, and we, I've said this before on the podcast, what what the prizes are at events yep. dictates the behavior. Yeah. So if there was, you know, and it doesn't even have to be like the big, like close to first place prize, but if there was like a renaissance person prize that got some cash, if there was a best sport that got some cash, if there was best presentation, and it could be nominal, right? Like if we're talking yeah, about a $10,000 prize pool, there might have been. if it is a couple hundred bucks, or something. Nobody talked about it, but I, there, there probably was. Then that's something that I'm much more happy to get behind than just going straight to purely competitive. Because that that changes what the game is. Yep. Because the game is all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I mean, at this point in time, if you're going to start like having... Uh, they were actually quite... Everybody that was in the top um, go around had actually a decent army. Like it wasn't it, the hobby aspect was pretty good, so I think they were either policing it pretty seriously um, for having like a certain standard, or people actually do kind of I think all share the same sort of outlook, right? Where it's it's like why 
either I'm playing this game or I'll just go play a video game. There's more money in video games. So how did you sign up for it? Like, how would someone? Was it just first come, first? Okay. I think they were going to accept far more than 100. I think people were very unsure of how it went, uh, was going to go. Um, so I think they had a low sign-ups because of that. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised next year if they had a lot more players because it went very well. Very, very hmm. well. Bar in the venue, restaurant in the venue, tacos. Like, like they were talking about how, like, they were clearly trying to hype it up for next year, too. Like, okay. It looked pretty good. So hopefully they have enough referees then for next year. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do next year. I don't know how much money they lost or what they were doing or if they even made any money on, on it. But If the sponsorships go well enough, that can go a long way. If you're yeah. spending 50 bucks a volunteer for judges, like somebody, like a you know, a sponsor kicks in a thousand bucks, that's 20 yeah. volunteer or low paid, not yeah. quite volunteers, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah honest, honest judges, paid judges. Yeah. Paid refs. That's cool. So it's certainly interesting and, you know, tip of the cap to him for pulling it off because that's, that's a hell of a production value for a first version of it. Yeah, I have to say I was impressed and I hope it keeps going because I, I think there's room for both. I think there's room for competitive 40K that, you know, because to me it's it's very much like I'm not going to go pro playing tennis, but I still watch the pros play because I can learn from them and make my game better. And I see it being the same thing, right? Like, it's very similar. Yeah, and just hopefully people don't lose sight of the fact that not every tournament format needs to mirror the pros. And I think that's kind of it, right? Like, tennis, you have Wimbledon. It has its own flavor. It's on grass. You've got the French. It's on clay. Like, I think you can still make that happen. As long as the community gets behind that notion, yeah, it could be something actually kind of amazing. It would be actually really cool to see, like, this guy's an excellent LDO player, but, you know, he struggles a little bit at the London GT. Right? <laughs> That'd be really interesting. It'd be really, really interesting. Like, yeah, anyways, having a meta with more terrain in particular tournaments. Anyways. And last parting shot for me, anything that gets more visibility for these things, I think is ultimately a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I was happy with it. Okay, speaking of terrain. Yeah, speaking of terrain. Um, so we, I played my first game of Necromunda against Mike. Yeah. And it was your first game since maybe I was born. Yes, <laughs> you keep saying these things, but you realize Necromunda was from the '90s, not the '80s, right? Oh, he said he said '80s. So I thought it was 90s. late '80s. But yeah. that was well, just I think a guess. I think it was solidly, I think mid '90s for Necromunda first edition, and the confrontation rule set was a little bit earlier in White Dwarf, but solidly '90s, I believe. Okay, no, either way, I, I think it was. Yeah, but anyways, <laughs> check. There you go. Google it. it should, okay, it you should. continue talking. I'm going to fact check. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, it was fun. And uh, I think what was really exciting is Steve has a bunch of 40K terrain and a little bit of Infinity terrain. And it was like, how can we set this up to make it make sense for inf- for Necromunda? Yeah. And the kind of thing. So Turns out scatter terrain doesn't suck. Yeah, those little pieces of terrain were really fucking cool. Which are really not a thing in 40k proper anymore. <laughs> not even remotely. <laughs> not even remotely. So I picked up a box of Promethean pipes a couple They're weeks ago. That would be very handy for Necromunda. Both for yeah. decorating up your um, Sector Mechanicum scenery or your Zone Mortalis scenery, mm-hmm. but also just for like low-lying scatter terrain that's about an inch tall. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, don't put your hand down on top of a Promethean pipe. Because, well, the... Just, you know, the, um, what do they call them? The thermic plasma ones are not spiky. 
Oh, nice. They don't have like the spiky terminals like the old city fight. The 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 Promethean pipes for sure do, and they will very badly stab you. Yes, your there's hand. there's no jagged edges on the new kit. I wonder if that was actually part of the design principles. Probably. <laughs> but then I look at the Rohan scenery they just came out with for Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, which clear, looks clearly gorgeous. impaling people to death is not a concern in the studio design department. No. <laughs> <laughs> like they're fine with it. Lawsuits be damned. Yeah, so like what I wanted to kind of talk about today is so let's let's say you've got a, a collection of forty K train that you've had for I don't know, I'd say your average gamer since third or fourth ed yeah. playing forty K. Um <laughs> This is sorry. the fullest beer in the world. Yeah, Steve's beer Anyways. is overflowing out of the can. Um but no, so you have a lot of those ruins, whether the the L shape with a few tiers of uh, the old city fight. The old city fight stuff, and I think that can still work for Necromunda. Just start looking at adding in some gangplanks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. walkways and ladders. So if you can do up little accessories like that, that you can help connect pieces together, that you can have those clear points where this is how you get up there. Yeah, like which it, that's kind of the point with ladders the are a huge deal. Yeah, like the the underhive is supposed to have a vertical element. Like it's it's very much supposed to be a game played with height because you clearly falling off of stuff is a is a problem. It's it, it is a problem. Mechanic. Not if you're Escher. Well, I like it. It's totally fine if you're Eshers, because so much of falling off of stuff is like fail an initiative test and you fall, and Eshers are like, eh, two plus, I got this. Yeah, Cotor does not do it on a two plus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but so you can take a lot of that terrain, and just through adding some of those little accessories, you can either do out of hardboard or plastic hard. Or there's even some companies out there that'll be making that stuff. That MicroArt Studios Infinity Terrain for sure would would have a ton of that stuff you could use. The two companies that come to mind that have like the industrial aesthetic to it, uh, TT Combat has quite a yep. few sets. Yep. Yeah, um, and then Absolutely. also uh, Deathray Designs. Don't not familiar with that one. Yeah, that stuff's really good. So both of those give you like a lot of ideas if you're going for that more industrial uh, mechanicus feel. Yeah, uh, that would fit into to those systems. Uh, they've got again like high towers with like three or four like levels uh, automatically, which is maybe a bit more than you need. To be fair, you don't need a lot of that because you, you just you spend half the game climbing. No, very true. It depends also deployments too, right? So uh, yeah, where you can start off maybe a little bit higher um, and and work your way to the the battlefield, or you actually have like a sniper that hopefully can do something. Yeah, if you have. The gangs that have access to the infiltrate skill through, I think, the cunning skill tree. Yep. They love those giant towers and oh, stuff because yeah. if you can just start like deploying up there, right and there. then the enemy would again spend like five turns climbing to come get you down. Right, Tom. It's a bit Fuck of a problem. <laughs> wow! Wow! Um, again, with with, with the MDF, like you're not necessarily going to get as much detail in the bits and pieces, especially with like the GW train. But if you scatter in like those those few odds and ends, like the Promethean pipes that we talked about. Um, the the crates, uh, cargo crates, cargo crates. Um, lots of different companies will make those as well. Some will come pre-painted. Some you have to like paint up yourself again, like the GW ones. Yeah. Uh, things of that nature as well. Um, yeah, you've got like a lot of options that way. I think a really neat company uh, to look at is Tinker Turf. Mm-hmm. They're the yep. ones that do. It's like that super thick uh, board game card where it's printed on both sides, so it actually. You just pop it out and put it together. Like the new Infinity train. Like exactly like the new Infinity. And they have a set that's got like uh, walkways and such. And they've got the sets with the uh, containers. So, again, um, I'm really liking the idea of take your existing terrain that you have. It can still totally be usable. Pick up some of those accessories yeah. to kind of 
flush it out a little bit, because that way you could have a walkway connecting uh, those two ruins that you had from City Fight from ten years ago. And I think that's a, that's a really good way of, of looking at it, especially if you're going to play Necromunda as sort of a secondary game. It's not going to be your absolute you know, first go-to kind of game. And I know um, yeah. Roy does carry a bunch of the Tinker Turf. Yeah. Just just came in for, for him oh, really? as well. Interesting. So, yeah. so my question to uh, Dan and Mike, how, how much true line-of-sight blocking terrain is critical? Because oh, that's the thing. There's a lot of modifiers for, like, partially in cover or mostly in cover kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, is it that yeah, hard cover, cover, soft cover has yeah. been a differentiation in games like Necromunda for a long time. So versus just you cannot see something. How much how much line of sight blocking do you think you need? Like dead corners. Um, there's definitely quite a decent amount of it that is helpful. Like, because realistically, if you want to play anything remotely like a close combat gang, do you need to get? Up you close? don't want Planet Bowling Ball because you'll just all your guys will get hit and pinned, and they'll be super slow for the rest of the game. They're never going to get there. So not need... just a table of scatter terrain where you're always yeah. getting minuses to hit, but like actual hard. Yeah, cover, you like you definitely blocking. want you definitely want like pockets of line of sight blocking terrain. You want pockets of scatter. You don't really want big, huge dead zones with no scenery at all because, you know, you if you're only moving potent even on a double move if you're moving like eight to ten inches a turn, having like a big eighteen inch dead spot like you have in forty k all the time is just like a kill box. Like you just you yeah. go in there you die. Yeah, especially too because it's one of those things where if you get hit. You fall down, you get one action. Yeah, so you're, it's so, hard to get up. Yeah, because it there. it costs one of your two action points to stand back up if you're pinned. Yeah, um, if you have an Escher gang, there's possibility to have the spring up skills that you can like initiative check to um, stand up for free. No one cares about these Eshers anymore. Like that, but I guess that's also you will. You will. I guess that's also kind of a segue into one of the like somewhat as like a tactical aside in the game is people forget that smoke grenades are a thing, which are just five inch templates of you cannot shoot through it. Like, so it's infinity. So yeah, it's a lot of people <laughs> completely overlook the fact that like I want to play a close combat gang and just be ultra reliant on the the scenery. But what so about you can just take smoke grenades? They but, cost points. But what about spectral visors? Yeah, there are there are some. Okay, um, seriously, are we talking about infinity now? No, no, we're still talking about Necromunda. No, the game, this is shockingly. Similar. The game has rules for infinity. like the game has rules for like uh, night vision goggles and laser sights and thermal scopes and stuff like that. That have different effects for sure. Interesting, because what I'm what I'm kind of getting at they're is just like, not base equipment that you normally start with. The 40k terrain, if you are going to try and make it into infinity terrain, all of it has windows in the bottom floor. Like you'd have to do some sort of like ITC type ruling. Just assume there's no windows, kind of thing. Or the other option is scatter terrain. You can put shit up against the windows, like a I don't know a metal box or a, like whatever, some sort of crate. Yeah, you put the crates in front of the bottom floor, and you're good. Yeah, you could do stuff like that. So I think having just a ton of scatter terrain to even just cover up windows is actually really cool. And the um, other thing is that, you know, when you think about 40k true line of sight blocking, you're thinking about things that are fucking huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... You don't need that here. You don't need it because your biggest model is on a 40 mil base. Well, honestly, the the um, Sector Mechanicus, like, thermic reactor, the, the just the cylinder, is useless in 40k because it can't hide anything. But in Necromunda, it's perfect. You can hide half your gang behind Yeah, that. right? Well, even... So the, it's from the old City Fight Terrain, the Mechanicum building, and that has that that pipe coming out the side. Yeah, it smokes And there was one point in our game where it was, like, very close to entirely blocking line of sight between that pipe and one other piece of terrain overlapping oh, yeah. to block off one of my guys from my right. sniper. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was very close to being able to do that and and it's it's that level of granularity that makes these games really interesting that yeah. on the scale of a 40k game you cannot be micromanaging your movement phases like that if you want 
their pace of play to keep up. Yeah, totally. But if you have like eight to ten models aside, like go to fucking town. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. No, I I really like it. It's you definitely do need though that mix. Like I personally think that the sector mechanic this terrain is hilariously like who would have guessed it's perfectly suited for uh, Necromunda. Well, it came out with Necromunda, didn't it? Um, well, it came out with the Shadow War Armageddon, right, which was right. the reskin of right. the mid nineties. And I did check uh, first edition Necromunda was nineteen ninety five. Oh, okay. So, I as mid-90s as you can get. So, I was nine. But Confrontation in White Dwarf would have been a couple of years before that. It's not helping, Tom. That, that, yeah. That's still... <laughs> yeah, I know, you're in high school by then. <laughs> but no, it's... it's yeah, okay, Mike, we, we, we still love you. The yeah. Sector Mechanicum scenery, which uh, conveniently is very modular with um, the Kill Team scenery, the, um, the Zone Mortalis scenery from Dark Uprising, and um, the Sector Mechanicum scenery, it's... It's all built to be modular, like the, the level heights are the same. So what do you think about the new, yeah, they're all the same level height, but what do you think about like the new Imperial City? Is that the Zone Mortalis stuff? I think it might be. What what about the new? The Zone Mortalis stuff is currently just what's in the Dark Uprising box. Okay, so what about and the new? And it's basically recreating the resin Zone Mortalis tiles that Forge World used to make. So all the old, old city fight buildings from uh, 40k World have all been redone uh, for the bigger scale, effectively. The yeah. Sector Mechanicus, effectively. Yeah, that scale, but they're they're like the Basilicanum and that kind of stuff. Uh, what do you think about that? Because they're very high floors. Yeah, you. Think that's useless. Those are the same level heights as the walkways oh, in Necromunda. They are exactly, they're exactly the same floor heights as the, the level so difference that's what, in that's what I find interesting. Like these, the old buildings, the ones that you can't see me pointing at, that have the floor heights are three inches versus five and a half. Yeah. You climb ladders at half your rate, don't you? No, you climb ladders, ladders full. You climb ladders at your full, and if there's no ladder, you have to double move to get up. Right, so if there's no, well, I guess then you absolutely need the ladders, like in Sector uh, Mechanicus. Yeah. There's a reason why those are right. those ladders are on a lot of the sprues in the Sector Mechanicus uh Right, so, like so I think you could get away then with using the other terrain, like the 40k style terrain, um, yeah. the Basilicanum, just with ladders. Just honestly lean some ladders with popsicle sticks up. Like, make some crappy balsa yeah. wood ladders. Balsa wood or plastic card or whatever, you can make ladders Honestly, you, you can buy plastic card ladders. Yeah, a few companies. Really? true too. A few of the companies that I mentioned just, just do ladder scales. packs. Oh yeah, buy a couple ladder packs and lean them up against your building and yeah. boom. And that's kind of the that thing, right? Like, I think yeah. a lot of people, when they think about a game like Necromunda... They really think about how you have to get these great tables. And they forget about the fact that you've got a lot of terrain already, presumably, that by buying some of those accessories, where it's going to be maybe $50 to $100, yeah. instead of dropping like $800 on a brand new table. Which, which I will give Necromunda, because it has the same sort of terrain uh, and you know cinematic aesthetic as Infinity, but Infinity, the terrain, you buy an Infinity Army for, I don't know, let's call it 200 bucks, right? Like that's probably on the high side, versus... The terrain you're going to need to set up one table. If you're not buying the card terrain, if you're buying like the micro art stuff, you're spending a thousand dollars on a table, right? Yeah. Like uh, Matt brought over a bunch of terrain for our game, and there's literally those two tubs over there. Like it's the huge Tupperware tubs, full of micro art buildings. I'm always so glad when other people say Tupperware instead of Rubbermaid, because I say it all the time and then like realize it afterwards and kind of feel bad. Well, then I feel a little bit bad, but. Uh, <laughs> That those are full of like multiple levels of those micro art buildings, and those are like what eighty bucks each. Especially the ones that have the acrylic and yeah. that shit. Like, like it's it was a beautiful table. Like noodle house. That's the thing that is yeah exactly. We actually talked about that. I was like I really want the Yu Ching table because that was such a nice table. Um, <laughs> like Warsenal is that yeah Warsenal Warsenal yeah. puts out some is, really cool shit. I like their their garage. Really expensive. The biker garage was that they make is fucking hot. 
Yeah, that's that's the same um, district as the Noodle House. Nice. Yeah, that's wildly expensive stuff versus repurposing your 40k terrain, uh, especially if you have a bunch of sector mechanicus. Right? Yeah, like I, again, it's the aesthetic for Necromonde should be a little bit more industrial claustrophobic than residential. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. at the same time, like if you have half the board be ruined buildings, some old city fight stuff, or the new kill team scale, whatever sector imperialis stuff. And the other half be Sector Mechanicus. Like, it's modular. The levels would work together really well. It would look freaking cool as hell. I was going to say, the old uh, Mechanicus buildings. Like, literally, these yep. are perfect. Like the, they they the, do have, like, a Ruin Manifactorum, or whatever you call them now, that yeah. is... It's actually a mix of ruined versions of the Sector Mechanicus tanks and pipes and stuff, as well as um, a very similar style. Yeah, it's just, it's just got the bigger, no longer three inches. It's got the actual, like... Uh, yeah, it's just got, like, the five-inch levels. Yeah. Which I think, honestly, the, the Manufactorum is the absolute perfect building for both 40K and uh, Necromundo. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great, and it's currently the only way to get those ruined um, those ruined versions of the Necromunda Spurs. They're not in any other box currently. Oh, interesting. Which oh. I was a little bit upset to find quite recently. And uh, the Riser Ruins as well are kind of in interesting because they kind of bridge that gap between they sort of look like bulkheads if you're playing Zord Zone Mortalis, hmm. and they sort of look like the 40K-style stuff. Um, they were in some of the Kill Team sets originally. They're a little bit harder to get now. The intact Rise of Buildings, I don't think you can actually get at all in retail anymore. Hmm. They were just in, I think, some of the, um, the Kill Team bundles. Wait, seriously, Rise of Buildings? Yes. R Y Z A. Like fucking Pleasure Planet buildings? Spelled differently, but yeah. <laughs> Correct. Ryza in, uh, in 40K is very different than Ryza in Star Trek. <laughs> not the same. Not the same at all, unfortunately. Riker would not have a good time in the 40K universe. Yeah. Uh, actually, the book that I'm reading right now uh, has Belisarius Call right after the heresy on Ryza uh, quelling food riots. It, sounds, it seems like it's a bad place. Not a pleasure planet in the least bit. <laughs> Unless you're an orc. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Correct. Uh, yeah, anyways, I think uh, making terrain work from your 40k stuff for Necromunda is very doable. And uh, go play Necromunda, honestly. I wasn't super sold on it until you guys came over and played a game here. Uh, it's cool. It was fun, man. Like, yeah. I've been, like, sitting here set. like an addict ever since. Just like, hey, guys, want to play some Necromunda? It's a good I'm sure I'm set. annoying the shit out of Dan, because it's, like, twice a day. Just like, Necromunda? I've, Necromunda? I've messaged Dan quite a few times in the last week. <laughs> I would say to you. So, what kind of weapon options are should I be, like, looking are at? Are you built? No. When are you going to be built by? I'm trying to paint nights. Six weeks till Vegas. I'll <laughs> <laughs> forget that. Damn it. I'm in the same boat, man. Like I, I still don't entirely know what I... Chapter approved literally came out this weekend. And I have to wait for Fortual bits and pieces to show up. Oh, two or three days. You it's, know what's coming it'll, right it'll away. It'll be here by then. Okay. But, like, maybe... Maybe over the holidays? Yeah, over some? the holidays. I That's think what I'm going to shoot together. for, for sure. So. That'd be cool. Because, like I said, I'm going to change up their bases, so i got to look at some of the other Does that mean you'll play too, Dan? My intention for Necromunda is to play... Absolutely, just last weekend was a fucking disaster, that's all. I uh, I will get the Enforcers together, um, but I'm really looking forward to the Subjugators. I really honestly don't particularly care about the box that I bought. I know I need some of those models. I fucking want Subjugators yeah, real bad. <laughs> Regular Enforcers are expensive enough as it is, Subjugators even more so. Like I'm looking forward to painting like six models is kind of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a terrible thing on the hobby side. It's not great tactically, but on the hobby side, you're golden. I'm fine with that. Okay, so I want to just say one thing. 
um, while we're talking about Necromunda, I gave those books a proper read through. Like the now that they finally compiled all the rules into two main books, like one for the core rules and one for the core factions. There is so much in there. Oh like, yeah, it is. <laughs> not only it's the first time I think I've ever seen a rule book that has rules for running tournaments. And recommendations for scorings and all this other stuff. Really? On top of campaign rules. On top, like, multiple campaign rules. I still don't know if anyone ever has ran a freaking Necromunda tournament. Like, or at least called it a tournament. Because it's just a weird concept for a game that's not built around balance. But you know what's really funny, though, is that I remember... But that's how they used to do, like, that's old school GW. Just but at its absolute perfect. Like, a tournament is not a tournament for somebody to come in and win. Like, it's kind of a joke. It, and they to kind of actually phrase it that way, yeah. where it's it's more the excuse to play multiple games in one day. Yeah. And it's like, they're talking about the tournament format of it and and the approach. And I'm just reading it, and I'm like, this is just describing how I play games Yeah, they, in a book. <laughs> that was kind of the thing. Like, those old, uh, the grand tournament GW stuff was always just like, our games aren't particularly balanced. Whoever wins is probably just rolled well. Or just played the most games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, like, that was really cool. And I'm really actually interested to see if we can put together some event days. Because the rules are, are eerily like Blood Bowl. Yeah, that was that was my first impression of those tournament event rules was it seemed like how people run Blood Bowl. I'd be interested if you if that, uh, that whole idea of, like, a smaller Necromunda game was run as a tournament like the the sevens comparison you made earlier i can't remember what it was called yeah whatever those white dwarf rules are going to be for the the faster games i'd be interested sure. in that. you know i'm buying that next weekend yeah i'd be interested in that honest to god no it'd be solid and like we keep saying like if you have to paint like five models to play a skirmish game yeah that's not right. going to detract from your right. hobby ability to get your main armies done like at all right and it's cool it's really fucking cool also i got to dig up my templates that I'm not into. I'm just going to tell you right now. Both that and Infinity, the template thing. I'm, I'm glad it's That's gone. Okay. I'm you don't have to take template weapons. Yeah, we're just, all yeah. okay if you don't we're take We're fine it. with that. If you oh, just yeah. don't want to take, take templates template, or flamers. We're, we're fine. Yeah. Don't worry, we're I'm going to take template weapons. Remember oh. how Matt explained how template weapons are... Oh, my yeah. my uh, Hollow Men with rocket launchers and Aero for Infinity... Mm. It's nice. It's very spicy. <laughs> but like, okay, so here's the reason. Because I played Fantasy for so long that I, and 40K for so long. I have those like really cool neon green yeah. oh, templates. Dude, I've said well, I may have those too. I I'm got the bring orange out, ones from the starter. And I have the red ones I'm gonna bring from out my cosmic flavor. like a Fantasy Ooh. Gamers pack that came out at one point. Yeah. And Did you get the orange ones from the Necromunda set? No. Oh, okay. Because I haven't bought a Necromunda box set yet. Gotcha. And I... Probably there were versions of 40k that I think had orange templates as well. Yeah. I believe years yes. ago that yes. was like old some, like fourth ed or something. Yeah. No, or one specific run of third. The ed green maybe. ones were the ones I didn't have specific. a lot. Of. I have red. The uh, orange ones I have a ton of. They have red orange. I read orange was I think was the original third ed. Yeah, it was. It was and then they got replaced by the. This could be a whole period by itself. Clear templates. <laughs> there were clear templates. Well, like there was off. clear, but there was actually. The right after the orange ones was when they moved into that like semi opaque, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah which they had in the frosty white they had in the fantasy six that starter set, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, and then two. it wasn't until well, you should make a chart. I think it was fifth ed forty k where they went to the neon green. Yes, because you could buy the neon green by themselves, right? Because that came in the um, the one that had the orcs in it. 
Oh, like apocalypse oh, because you can buy the large apocalypse templates were in the same green. Yeah, there's not a lot of those big ones though. Does anybody need many of these green templates? No, dude. I honestly, I think I threw out a lot of templates. I I thought I I opened a box and it was just full of fucking templates. I was like, I get to use you again. It's good that I've kept you and moved like three apartments since the last time I actually used one of these fucking things. I will um, say that the Infinity Templates uh, are slightly different sizes, like ever so slightly different, and it drives me up the goddamn wall. I want to use my 40k templates. Same thing with War Machine, man. Really? Uh, yeah, they're, right. they're, yeah, they're, flame, they're like flame is template. Narrow. Is Their spray I is, I, is I knew flat. That. And they have the weird narrow spray and the fat spray and all that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, Anyways um, it's easy to do. Make your Necromunda tables look super sweet using your current terrain. Yeah, Necromunda's fun. And uh, play some Necromunda. And if you want to completely go to town and do... There's people that have built, like, vertical Necromunda boards. Where it's yes. just, like... there is like It's purely just levels up a wall of, like, different... Like, uh, levels of walkways and, like, other crap connecting They built the inside of an underhive. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, there's parts... there's In the fluff for Necromunda, there's people, where, like, where they basically have, like, severe agoraphobia. Where, like, if they can't reach out and touch a wall, they feel, like, anxious... Because they're used to being so enclosed and yes. like, yeah, they're like ants, pretty it's much. Kind of terrifying. Yeah, it's it, and it's really hard to represent that on the tabletop, but like there are people that have done so, and it's just completely insane. What's the one in, in Star Wars, Narshada, the vertical city? There's one in Star Wars that's like a city that's just there's an entire level in Jedi Knight that is like that, and it's so much fun, where everything is like fall to your doom little narrow walkways that might just be coruscant cloud city no it's not coruscant they call it something different um i feel like you're thinking about um judge dread very similar (laughs) they're all there's a sci-fi aesthetic there yeah that a few things have taken what about zion from the matrix no no sure no weird sexy time cave raves cave raves Cave raves. (laughs) (laughs) that is one of the weirdest (laughs) scenes ever I don't really understand Cave Rave. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, honestly, you you just you can't understand Cave Rave until you've experienced Cave you Rave. Just, you just give in to Cave Rave. Yeah. Also, a lot of Molly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I feel like we're and, off the rails. And if you're into that shit, then depending on which Necromunda expansion you're using, there's all kinds of drug rules. Oh, yeah. You get into like, all the black market stuff, you can get like... Boring things like Xenotech and like demon weapons, and stuff. or you can just take all the drugs. I can tell you right now, my police will all be corrupt and they'll be taking all the drugs. <laughs> there are there are literally people who, for shits and giggles online, they're like, yeah, I play an Escher gang, and I buy all these like toxin rifles and other things, and buy all these illegal drugs, and I then shoot at my opponents and fuck them up, and there's a chance they get addicted to drugs, and it like economically cripples their gang construction because they're like a bunch of addicts. Because the guy is launching drugs at them from across the table. Yes. It's like, I don't care about winning the games. I just want you all to go bankrupt because of your crippling drug addiction. <laughs> that's actually amazing. And that's a thing. That's amazing. Are, are you know. planning on doing that with your Escher? No. Okay. I, I might now. Fuck! <laughs> that would be a very Mike thing to do, though. The whole first hits free mentality, which has always been his thing. What? I don't understand. Just literally shooting <laughs> you with drugs out of his toxic everything. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up. Yeah, so until next time, this has been another episode of Hobby Day in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Ward. I'm Mike. I'm Steve. And I'm Dan. So, play some games, paint some models, and have some fun. And do some nose candy. No, do not do oh, nose yeah, candy. sorry. No, don't do, do not. Do not. Don't do that. We do not encourage cocaine use on this podcast. I'm going to explicitly <laughs> say that out loud. Unless it's with your gang and
unless it's make believe with toys. Correct. Yes. 